0: time to rise and fire on this edition of the Off the Bench podcast presented by the Alibaba Group. I'm Chris Miller of NBC Sports Washington. Coming up, we'll hear from Wizards general manager Tommy Shepard, who was extremely busy this offseason assembling a team of athletes, shooters, and a track record of defenders around Bradley Beal, hopefully good enough to get back to the playoffs. Tommy also addresses the trade that sent Russell Westbrook to the Lakers. But first, it's time to welcome home the 25th head coach in franchise history, Wes Unsell Jr., back in D.C. after 10 years of gaining quality coaching experience from stops in Orlando, Golden State, and most recently Denver, where he was tasked with defense and player development. Before we chop it up with Wes, just a reminder, make sure you download, subscribe to the Off the Bench podcast, and leave a comment wherever you get your podcast. I want to start with the most basic question for you. How many times, or when, do you remember you drawing plays up in your mind? At probably high school. Um, you know, it's uh, when you were tick, when you were kicking Tim Conley's behind.
1: <laughs> he he Hi, would Tim. probably uh, spin it the other way, but <laughs> he, uh, when when my dad was coaching, um, and we had a, like a little film room set up in the house. And he would go downstairs and bury himself in that film room and you know you you don't always have time to to spend with your family so i'm like i'll pop in and and he would zip through the film with with such ease and i'm having a hard time you know you watch it as a fan Mm -hmm. and it takes some time for it to slow down and so it's just funny that you know now you zip through a game and you know exactly what what you're looking for what you saw you can comprehend it you can process it but uh, at that time it was just like I'm watching as a fan. Uh-huh. You're watching the ball. You're not really paying attention to the nuanced things you would if you were trying to put together a scout. So, you know, you take a step back from that, and then you kind of get creative, start playing with different things. so You know, you see a lot of things that might might work. Uh, you don't know the league well enough at that at that age, but you know, I think kids now probably do because of the social media and they're saturated with stats and numbers and that platforms they can go and find certain things. But back then, it was just like, I kind of like this. I, might work. It's kind of cool, um, but that was kind of really the onset of it.
0: Do you subscribe that coaches are the ultimate thieves that they just steal from other guys? Like, I like that. I'll put that in my bag. Mm-hmm. Um, and if so, who 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 have you stolen from Everybody. the most? Everybody, and
1: in some degree, I think you know players do the same. Mm-hmm. And it's it's in a weird way. It's also you look around the league and find what's best practice. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a play, but it could be you know, where you stay on the road, you know, how you travel, um, the medical dynamic, you know, what stats or analytics are you looking for? So there's so many other layers than just you know, what's between the lines. And we all do, we, we steal from each other. Um, and a lot of it makes sense because you know, there, are, there are certain trees in the NBA and you may fall under a tree and that, that's how you were groomed and, and, and how you were raised in, in the business. You're going to kind of take some of that because that's all you know. That's what you were taught. Uh, so the number of experiences that you can expose yourself to, uh, whether it's through work or whether it's working camps, uh, BWB, and some of the you know things that they have NBA provides during the summer, those are great opportunities. To just learn what else is out there. You know, the European game, the influx of you know that style, has uh, dramatically shifted how we view and, and how we teach. So all those things meld together to kind of formulate your philosophies on, on both sides of the ball. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're all just trying to figure out how can we give our group an advantage?
0: What do you know about your group so far before really getting them on the floor? Mm -hmm. It's, you know, Tommy told me these guys for the large part has been here since, you know, Labor Day. Yeah. But what have you been able to kind of take away or ascertain from the group?
1: Just the work ethic. You know, I think it's, uh, you know, we always say it sometimes it's coach talk, we shouldn't have to coach effort you know at times yeah you do uh, you have to demand more you know you gotta hold guys accountable and you, you sometimes you have to pull you know blood out of a stone but you know just right now and it's you it we're still on their time and they're on our time tomorrow so the fact that they're willing to put in the time now uh, not only to get to know us as a, as a staff kind of understand you know some of the, our expectations our internal expectations uh, but also getting a feel and synergy for each other on the floor. I mean, that can't happen soon enough. Um, Preseason's have gotten shorter in length, I think, you know, as we've progressed. So how do we get, you know, that dynamic out of the way so when we get to teaching, uh, we can kind of hit the ground running.
0: What are your non-negotiables that media and fans can see right away to know that your standard is ABC?
1: I think the biggest thing is, is the character dynamic Um, because it reveals itself eventually. You can't fake it for so long. Uh, And that, in my opinion, is all-encompassing. You know, if you're you're right as far as the character, you're going to play the right way. You're going to do the right thing. You're going to make decisions based on the right thing. Um, You know, everyone at at some point in this league, it's it's, it's a business. It's a business from the organizational standpoint. Uh, As a player, they are brands now. So at at times you have to fight that battle of what's important. You know, and, and do your goals uh, align with ours? Um, I remember a coach saying a long time ago, two things: they, they they're ours until they're not, <laughs> and are they better than their problems? And it, it's kind of a two prong way of looking looking at things. If uh, they don't check those two boxes, um, it's time for them to go.
0: Yeah, you're dealing with a group that there are a lot of names, and you know, I get asked like, what do you think of the Wizards this season? And I'm like. This is my 15th season This is the first time where I can honestly say I don't know You're Right. Uh, Wes is a new coach I think I know just from your track record There's Seven new players that Are new to the team That made it to the playoffs a year ago Russ is gone Brad is back I know that because that's year 10 Of seeing him just elevate every year mm-hmm. But I don't know Is that the hardest part of this right now for you and your staff mm-hmm. is just the unknown.
1: Of course, I mean, it's we're all learning each other. It's not like I'm coming, you know, with a staff that's been intact as well. So, everything I'm teaching the players, it's not necessarily new in concept. It might be new in verbiage, mm-hmm. you know. So, we're kind of learning each other, like, uh, and we're we're stealing from each other as far as well. How do we want to proceed? Um, you know, when do we implement? Um, what are, what are our checklist items that we need to make sure? We've got under our belt before october 5th in our first preseason game that's going to look different than you know october 19th um, and you you hope that progression continues so now in april we're exactly where we thought we would be um so it's that alignment with the staff it's the synergy on the floor with the players but also that communicative communicative uh dynamic between them and us mm-hmm. um and all those things have to happen quickly um, it's going to take some time uh there, there might be some bumps But I think, you know, the buy-in is there and guys are, you know, on the same page.
0: This is the kind of the third season that this league has dealt with COVID. And there are many things that have to work to get players on the court to compete. Mm -hmm. From your experience when you're in Denver and kind of like now, like, what was it like when it first happened to Mm -hmm. like where it is now in terms of just getting a group together just to play the game?
1: Well, to be honest, you know, I think we've all have our stories of like, you knew where you were when you when you first found out. We were in the middle of the third quarter playing in Dallas. And the trainer, who I sit, sat right next to, leans over, is like, uh, they're suspending the season. And I'm like, "Like right now, like, this game included? Or like, what are we doing? Um, and then trying to find out, uh, figure out the logistics of the travel. Do we stay here? Do we have to test? Do we fly home? Um, and the, the biggest hurdle was no one knew. There was no protocol. All this was new to, obviously, the teams, the medical staff, but also the league. So there wasn't a handbook they could turn to and say, "All right, in these type of situations, we do A, B, and C." So to see how all that kind of uh, that process had to unfurl to now, or at least there's some protocol, and it's ever changing because I think the dynamic is, of the disease has shifted. But at least there's something in place um, to go through those growing pains and to have to, you know, go through the bubble. And all, all those different dynamics were unique uh, for us all because it's just never been done. You have to give the league a lot of credit for, you know, having the wherewithal to map out every single thing. Logistic, it had to be a logistic nightmare. Uh, but we did it, and we got through it. And I thought, you know, from a basketball standpoint, it was great for our group in Denver. <laughs> we had a heck of a run. So, um, But just to have to go through that, I think, puts us in a better situation now. Uh, I know you. You said it. You know, three years ago, it's three season, It's felt like three seasons in one. Yes, in all honesty, uh, with the short summers, the uh, quick turnaround. So I, I do get uh, you know the mental, emotional, the physical fatigue that you know goes into starting yet another season. Being mindful of all those things, you know, on top of trying to implement the basketball dynamic. So it's going to be a challenge for sure. But it, it's something that we're going to have to manage. Uh, I think we, we've got great people. Uh, to help us navigate some of the off the court things but um, I think it's also an opportunity for people to go back to what's safe and what's common you know that's kind of like their safe zone
0: yeah where
1: on the floor we can control this out there we have we just have to follow the protocol and do what's best try to minimize exposure but uh, being on the floor is just kind of like coming home
0: just sitting here just now I just remembered I interviewed you during the bubble that's right that was, that's I was, right I was like Wait had the mask on yeah. and all this. Stuff. It's yeah. just amazing, like, where we've come from, mm-hmm. from, you know, you know, talking about dad mm-hmm. to now you being here. It's just a kind of an easy transition now for me. Um, I know that this is a really important job for you. It's not just your first NBA head coaching job. Mm-hmm. It's doing it here at home. Do you remember when I asked you what it was it going to be like when you were in Denver and you walked into the bowl and kind of looked up? Yeah. yeah. Well, now you've got 41 of those dates and mm-hmm. like this is home now. Right. What do you think now it's going to be like looking up and and seeing his name and understanding that you know you're you're carrying on the legacy. Right.
1: Well, I mean it's you know you carry that legacy uh just because of the name. You know uh, his his last name obviously our first names are the same. So whether it we're here or anywhere else that uh that continues. Uh but it makes it more special, you know. I think because you know having that one opportunity playing in the West, you come home one time a year. You know, you look forward to it for a number of reasons. But you know, to have that daily, you know, it's it sits out there in the practice court. It's it's at the arena. Uh, there's daily reminders of uh, who he is or who he was, um, the impact he had on this organization and the city. Uh, so you, you look at it fondly but you also understand the the weight of that um and it's not some pressure that i think anyone else can put on you it's it's something you internalize and something you have to kind of cope with but it's it's there it's real um the job in itself is a pressure cooker we know that Um, there are some things that uh, i don't care how many years as an assistant (laughs) that you think you know it's 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 different when you're in that seat um and you try to prepare as best as possible but um that pressure is something that uh, you can't over overlook it's there and you try to make sure it stays in the right place because uh, I think it else also helps drive you know how you work and what you do but because uh, you want to make sure that you know people are proud of that that you know I want to look at look back at that and be proud of it
0: you have to share with me I would love to know what miss Connie thought your mom when you said I'm the new head coach of the Washington Wizards
1: what did she say? she was floored um I think it was a sense of relief and also just you know 13 months after he passed you know so she's still kind of you know we all are you know dealing with that dynamic um it was a sense of relief um she was static and happy for for me as a career advancement but also just the fact that coming home you know and, and being in proximity to her grandkids um and having the ability to kind of just drop things and, and come on by uh, it's just uh, it's been a long time and for for that to happen 10 years later you know being back in the in the city that uh, where it all started is it's special
0: so i had to ask you like so for 10 years a lot of stuff's changed around here yeah. <laughs> you said it in the press conference the other day yeah uh, the wharf there's just a lot of stuff who's still here from when you left and and what do you what what's that like now when you come back and now you're the head coach and you see people in the organization that were like i remember when you were scouting mystics games or i remember
2: when you were you know helping eddie jordan
0: and and, and the coaching staff what's that like
1: you know it's kind of cool because you know those relationships have continued um some of the folks that were are now vps you know were interns when i was when i was here so um It means a lot to have at least people on the ground who know who you are know what you're about um you know and and that relationship dynamic helps how you relate to other people because they're they're pretty much your introduction to the rest of the staff so it's uh it's good to have those folks you know kind of in place and we kind of laugh about some of the things we said and did back then (laughs) um some of the experiences we had in different positions but um it's just it's gratifying that, you know, uh, that people, you know, that's what this is about. It's about the people. And, and, and they're rewarded for, you know, their service and their work, uh, their vision. And to see them now be in the places that they are, it's, it's satisfying.
0: Is there someone, one specific that has been here uh, that, that you kind of leaned on when you came back? Yeah, uh,
1: Sasha Jones.
0: Shocker. Yeah. Uh, she's kind of everybody knows, <laughs> Sasha runs this. Yeah, she's the okay. bedrock for everybody. <laughs> and, and we
1: were interns at the same time. And, you know, we at times had to pull each other up through tough times and tough stretches, um, lean on each other. But she's always been, you know, steadfast. And I knew coming back, and we've had conversations over the years. And um, the fact that she's still here is really – it's a lot of fun to see her yeah. in her new role, but also know that we can still chop it up. I can lean
0: on her and, and vice versa. And to collab now with Tommy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and his new role, you uh, know, being, being the GM. Uh, what was your relationship like before, and how, how do you think those conversations before help you today?
1: Well, I, you know, I think the, the difference being we were in different roles, obviously, but um, we were both in basketball operations. So you, you kind of get insight on how people think. You know, those, those experiences, the draft nights, the, you know, the day-to-day on-the-court stuff, uh, the unscripted conversations you've had on the plane or the bus, um, those are all fo- foundational pieces that you come back, you know, those, those conversations come back to you. Um, you know, I think that, you know, that helped in, in the process because I think, you know, he ha- he knew who I was. Now, the basketball dynamic that I had to interview for that. Um, I think I explained to you is just they interviewed, I think it started with 18 and turned into 26 people. And um, I found out through a third party that, you know, when they started the process, I was not in the leaderboard. So it made me feel much better about going through that five-week process that, hey, it must've done something right. So, um, and it wasn't just the relationship component. It wasn't just the legacy component. Um, there there, there was something there. Um, and I checked those boxes, which helped elevate me to the forefront.
0: Well, it's interesting because the, if you just listen to, you know people in Denver talked about, there are two things that you can count on with Wes was his player development was a huge part of that. And the defensive part of it
2: mm-hmm.
0: what people fail to realize is uh you've been doing offensive stuff also <laughs> true um this team for as long as i've been here has never had a problem putting the ball in the hoop
1: mm-hmm.
0: never right but the defensive side of it is something that has to get better yeah is that the focus during camp and like what is it specifically because you're working with Brand new people. This sure. is not last year's team. This yeah. is a lot of people coming together trying to be that team that you want. Like, how, how do you get a defensive mindset here?
1: Well, I mean, the first thing, and it, it's easy to kind of look back at some of the numbers from last year. I think it's a little disingenuous. Cause it's a different group to right. your point. Um, you do, however, want to look at certain areas of. Well, these areas are, they are what they are. Those numbers don't lie. Now, there are a lot of people who are new to this, but. The, we do these two or three things. We can take that number from this to this. And when you really dive into it, it's not dramatic. You know, they gave up over 118 points a game last season. If you think about being 30th, you want to get to 15th. Cut that number down by six and a half points. Now all of a sudden you're in the top 15. If you want to get greedy, cut it down by another point. So right, so seven and a half points a game gets you in the top 10 from last year's numbers. You know, that's one stop a quarter. So sometimes you feel like, man, we got to climb this mountain. But shorten that scope, it, and look—if we just get one stop a quarter, now all of a sudden we could be a top ten defensive defensive team. So that's kind of the message that you know. Sometimes things feel insurmountable when you look at just the raw numbers or the rankings, uh, and you don't want to put too much credence on last year because I wasn't here, and I'm not going to cast indictment on what was done, what was said, what was taught, you know, or what wasn't. So. It's a clean slate for everybody. Um, the biggest thing is the buy-in, and, and they have to understand this is a priority for us. Uh, to your point, we had we've had no issues scoring the ball, but if you if we're really serious about winning
0: sustainably and winning big, we have to commit to the other side. I heard word on the street is you are intrigued by this Daniel Gaffer kid. Yeah, uh, and I, I told Tommy I tried to use Tommy's football background when I asked him this. I said a shot blocker in the NBA is like having a damn good left tackle. <laughs> and if you can get that for 10 years, yeah. like you're good. Right. Right. Why is shot blocking such a premium in the NBA? And why is it hard to really find it and keep it?
1: Well, it's not just the physical gift. You know, obviously, you know, guys have, you have to have the timing, the feel, uh, you know, a lot of guys are, they're bouncy, but they don't have the discipline they're taking themselves out of position. That it, it hurts you on the offensive glass. Um, it might put you in rotations unnecessarily so um, but to have that gift and that ability it's it's unique Um, some some people say it's a mindset you know I remember my dad said it with rebounding you treat every shot as a miss well I think really good shot blockers like I'm gonna try and block every shot that comes down you know down the gut a lot of guys don't want to do that out of fear of being you know on a poster or on a highlight reel Um, I don't think this kid fears that, and I, it's it's a unique mindset. But you have to hone it in and make sure there, there's purpose behind what he's doing. But to have that ability, um, the energy, the activity, it really really anchors your defense. You know, they're going mis- to be mistakes that happen. Uh, that's just the game. Um, but to have somebody behind you who can cover up some of those mistakes is huge.
0: This is just an ask. Will he will he will he play more than fifteen minutes? And will you talk <laughs> to him about? You know don't get early foul trouble big fella we kind of yeah. need you right. uh, that was the one thing last year by his own admission sure. he said listen the conditioning thing like where is he right now
1: today? he looks great you know and i think it's it's also for, for a young player just not knowing the league mm-hmm. understanding tendencies you know the, this team struggled you know putting opponents on the free throw line so is it something schematic i don't think so i think it's just more habits right you have bad habits of reaching bad habits of bailing guys out um so it's a discipline as far as what you're doing, how you're doing it. Um, then also understanding personnel. If I can take away a strength, you know, does that give me an advantage? So you couple those two things, I think that will cut down in that area. But you know, I think that's something that we all have to be mindful of, that uh, this was a problem, this is an area that we need to work on. A couple more,
0: I'll get you out of mm-hmm. here. You were in the Western Conference, so you have scouted these new players, a lot of them that have come over, the coups, the Montrez of the world, the KCPs. You scouted them a lot. What do they do well that you scouted (laughs) that you hope applies here? Because I've always said this about when people get traded somewhere else. We look at what they do at that location, Mm -hmm. and we're expecting them to do that in this new location. Mm -hmm. But the circumstances can be completely different. But from your scouting of those three, what do you like about them? Aside from the obvious, I mean, you
1: know, they play deep into the playoffs. You know, a couple of those guys have a ring um sadly they knocked us out of the western conference finals so you, you know them well um i think the shooting will translate you know the, the offensive side will translate you know trez is a dynamic scorer in the post you know the, the, those other two guys can they can fill it up really stretch the defense kyle's done a great job i mean it's somewhat of a surprise when you think you know a guy but his ability to play make you know gives you another dimension Um, uh, but the best thing is just their uh aside from their experience, they're coming from one of the best defensive teams in the league. Having played that way, you know, with the Lakers. um, So, you know, you look at some of the teams around the league and we steal, once again, best practices. They're like, they they know what it takes. So to have that, you know, kind of funnel over and infiltrate this young group, I think will help elevate us in that area just by maturation before we even get to, you know, some of the on-court schematics. This is going to be a mindset that these guys bring. Um, So it's three-pronged, but I think it's going to be great for our group.
0: Bradley Beal, on the outside, you you already knew this. Uh, However you want a bucket, he can get you a bucket. (laughs) But you said something the other day that I remember about Brad early in his career, and because he's had to be a scorer, people kind of sleep on his defense. I remember there were times in the playoffs I'll never forget this. We played Atlanta in the second round. And Kyle Korver, as you know, mm-hmm. runs all over the court. <laughs> Bradley averaged 25 points in that series and chased Kyle, uh, Kyle Korver the entire series. Right. So I know that he can be a dynamic two-way player.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: How do you get him to still be an efficient offensive player, maybe not have to dial up a lot of minutes, but get that other side of the floor right. back to where we've seen him play.
1: Yeah. No, it's – I've seen him play, in, um, you know, out in L.A. And, you know, we joked, but I'm like, hey, I, I see you can do it. I know you can do it. Now you have to make it a priority. Now some of that's on, on incoming upon us to maybe lessen the load offensively. You know, he, he averaged close to 36 minutes a game. And went through the an 82-game season, it's, it takes its toll. You know, I think our depth will help reduce that, you know, a couple of minutes a night. The aggregate of that is is huge. So may, now maybe it gives him an opportunity to be a better two-way player. Right. Maybe that allows him to be more efficient offensively and be healthier as we we get into the postseason. Um, but I think it's, it's, it's just a, a mindset that this, you know, and I think he's tired of hearing it. You know, everyone gets labeled, sadly, but perception at times becomes reality. And, you know, teams start going at you they think you can't guard they're going to put you in every action so how do you shake that you know, I think you just have to kind of say you know what this is a priority for me it's a priority for this group um and he's always been a lead by example guy um so even if it takes a shaves down some of the the numbers you know on the offensive side but the, the team success is going to jump through the roof
0: last question you're in the car you're coming to practice what are you listening to man what 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 gets you into that happy space <laughs> musically?
1: I'm all over the place. Uh, you know, some of the contemporary hip hop and R&B is a little much for me. I like the 90s, and 2000s, some of that stuff. Sometimes just classical. Um, I'm not a big talk radio. Um, the comedy channel sometimes is a good release. Um, and then, of course, with the kids, you got the kids bop. So. You have to go along with that at times as well.
0: <laughs> Are you singing along? At times, sadly, Man, I am. Can we, can we get a social media? Mm. Can we get a video of you singing? No one, no one singing. wants to see that, I promise you. Baby shark. The kids
1: don't even want to see
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> the reason why I ask that is I, I, I found through, before the pandemic, but e- even now, I find myself, if you've got 45 minutes yeah. in the car, hour, hour. Um, it just gets you in a better mood yeah. if you hear something that just kind of like. I like the fact that it's classical. Like, I listen, my kids call it elevator music, yeah, exactly. but it's like smooth jazz. Yeah. It just puts you in a better yeah. space. You it is. Like, and
1: sometimes it's just, it's nothing. And it's yeah. it's complete, completely quiet. And I find myself just mumbling to myself. And, you know, sometimes you think, well, that's kind of weird. But my dad used to joke, you can talk to yourself, just don't answer. Don't answer. <laughs> <laughs> if you start answering, oh, Paris, it's not. Nah, yeah, you go. You need to go see somebody. Right,
0: right. <laughs> uh, what kind of coach are you? I, I, I've seen video because you know Michael Malone has ejected himself in games. <laughs> so Wes could close shows out. I remember in Brooklyn specifically, but he was just like, doing me a favor. He, he, he was getting you ready. That's, that's it, what that's it. it was. That's like, it. like, what do you, what do you like game day and and and? I don't want to say work the officials, but like, how do you, the game within the game?
1: Right. Oh, I think part of it goes back to the relationships. Um, you know, having a relationship with the officials, it's it's different now than it used to be, but there are camps throughout the summer. There's an opportunity to kind of get to, to meet them, know them, you know, and, and they'll show you, you know, some of the fine finer points of how they are taught. Um, and you'll be surprised. You know, they're asking questions about how we coach. And just to have that dialogue. You know, in a unscripted fashion, I think, helps. Now, when you get into the, the season in those tense moments, I'm not yelling at, hey, ref, um, I'm at, approaching them by their name. Right. And we've already had it, you know, at least we've met. It makes things a lot easier at, at times, you know, and less contentious. But um, I think for the most part, try to stay even keel. You can't live and die by, by every possession. I think it, it it'll eat you up yeah, you, know, you can internalize some some of those things, and sometimes you have to light a fire. But yeah. you know I think that uh, it carries more weight if you're more even keel. Um, so this experience might change. you know, I might be a different coach next season than I am right now, um, just to have gone through it, but uh, I don't think it it'll it'll change my personality much.
0: Well, the one thing that's gonna stink and we're gonna wrap it up is, you guys don't have to wear suits anymore i was i wanted to know what the vegas odds were for wes until jr to take the take the jacket off so now you're in a you thank know goodness thank i goodness. was just waiting for it too like just <laughs> you know how larry brown used to do it oh he just,
1: i had a better chance chance of popping a button or ripping a <laughs> seam than i do taking it off
0: <laughs> uh i've said it to you before i'll say it again brother welcome home thank um, you you know we're all fans man we want you to go out and Win you know sixty games your first year? Let's make a run. I Why not? Care. Why not? Thank you. Thank you so much. No Appreciate that. Tommy, thanks for joining us here on our podcast. We are excited to have you here. We're excited for the season. Year what for you?
2: In the NBA, twenty-eight with the Wizards, starting my nineteenth season. Got me beat by four years. <laughs>
0: I want to start with I did some research last night with you because I find you to be kind of one of the more interesting guys in the NBA just kind of like your journey so you're from Albuquerque and I read this article from someone that was speaking about you and you said that you know your dream job was to be a GM in the NBA has the reality
2: lived up to the dream absolutely every day I I couldn't be more grateful couldn't be more humbled you know this opportunity that I have been afforded by Mr. Leonsis and the, and the Washington Wizards. is It's just so humbling to me to be the caretaker. You know, th- this is the fans team. That, that We really we put this product forward to, for our fans to enjoy and embrace and be part of. And, you know, I'd never take that responsibility lightly.
0: Your journey was interesting. Is that fair to say, like how you got to this point? I mean, you are, uh, I, I would probably say the 15 years that I've known you, I don't think there isn't anyone that doesn't know Tommy Shepard. Like the way you, it's not working a room, it's just, you just know a lot of people, right? Being a people person, how much do you value that in terms of the communication of not only your players, but people in the organization just know like where you stand?
2: Well, I think it's that everything is critical in this business that everybody's communicated and can communicate back and forth. And, and we all, we're busy. This is a busy world. Everybody has things to do, but if you have this great plan and you're not able to communicate it and people don't understand it, you have nothing. And I, I kind of came into this business under the PR uh, umbrella and learned an awful lot about how bad things happen when people don't communicate. Bad things uh, to an organization, to players, to staff, to coaches, everything. You know, I really, I took a great deal of pride in learning that side of the business. And I think we're all in PR every single day. Our responsibility for the Wizards absolutely is to win games, but also to have everybody here have a fantastic experience. And as we put this team together, as we put our staffs together, as we grow together, I I think everybody now in this modern age, especially, uh, we appreciate communication. And actually that's what we thrive on. And one of the best Things I think moving forward is is with all the new players coming in, you get a lot more new ideas that you can add to that as well. The interaction with people, face-to-face interaction,
0: has kind of been hampered by this 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 thing, this device that we look at literally every hour. Smartphones dumb people. (laughs) There's a line, ladies and gentlemen. That's the headline on Off the Bench podcast that we're going to use from Tommy (laughs) Shepard. How do you balance that? Because this is valuable to me, and I know it's valuable to you because you really get a sense of who people are when you talk to them instead of a text message. Because I've always told this to my kids. If you text me something, I don't know what you were thinking because it's just words. But if you tell me how you feel, then I can get the reaction
2: off of it. How do you balance this smartphone with the real interaction with people? I think one of the biggest things I pride myself on is being able to read the room. And you get to know people on a very high level you get to know their body language you get to know their expressions and you read that and for me literally every day i want to touch every player and make sure how they're doing you can see it in their eyes if they're having a good day a bad day if something's off and you know people like to communicate differently and i have to learn to communicate on their level some guys like text some guys love to put stuff up uh, on on their instagram or uh, wherever And, and then you know you get the occasional emoji uh, messages that I got to decipher but that starts the conversation it, but being able to communicate on somebody else's level I think is very critical because some people just aren't comfortable and, and we, let's be honest how many people really actually speak on their phones anymore right they're just right. texting or you know whatever else they do but I, I think that's important for me to learn that's a that's the starting point and then kind of find that common ground how we can communicate you know I've been on the back of uh, so many airplanes been in the on the buses and you get a text from someone, two seats from, you <laughs> you know, and it's like, come on, man, Glad we're, here. we're right here. Let's talk. <laughs> but it starts the conversation certainly, but I don't think anything will ever replace being able to sit across from each other, share a meal, share common ground. Yeah. Chop it up. Absolutely. Know. So the team that made
0: it to the playoffs, there's seven players that are gone now. So you've had to replace those. I'm, cur- I'm curious to know once that playoff series was over with, where did your mind go? Horn, horn sounds, series over, whiz-lose, 4-1. Where did your mind instantly go to?
2: How are we going to get better? How are we going to be a championship caliber team, a perennial playoff team? You know, that team I cannot say enough about. The, the players that are gone, the staff that's gone, I miss them. They were great people. But our business in this, you know, our ultimate job every day in this business is to win games right and we went 17 and 6 over the last 23 games vegas gave us a 0.6 percent chance of making the playoffs and we did it and some people may say hey that's good enough let's put put that team back out there next year let's run it back let's see how we go but you know that team was a play-in team that actually missed the first swing you know we went up to boston and got got thumped we were able to, to thump indiana here then we got to play the number one team in the east and you know, We got a game off of them. We ran out of talent. We had so many injuries or whatnot. But I looked out there, and it was just the way that I felt that we needed to get better probably wasn't going to come from within. We, we were going to have to add more players and a different look, uh, different expectations, different emphasis. And, and so you know, those are hard decisions. And you always find out in the winter what you did in the summer. You know, We did make a lot of change, and I think it was necessary to, for the future of the franchise. I, my job is always to do what's best for the Wizards. The easiest thing, man, we'd be sitting here with Russell here, same staff, and man, it was comfortable. And what well, we talked about last year, but last year we actually finished with a losing record. Last year we actually, you know, we, we, we weren't very good offensively, defensively, in efficiency. There was a lot, of, a lot of areas that you can't gloss over. And if you really want to fix something, sometimes you got to kind of start over and, and build it back up the way that you really see the, the best fit moving forward. was a lot of a lot of times chris i think uh where where you you mow around rocks right we talk about that sometimes you just got to get all the rocks out of the yard and start from scratch and i think that's what we did really excited about where we're headed
0: i want to give you a little credit here i I thought your transparency at least as soon as the season was over with was we're not running this back i mean you were very clear about that so that that's why i asked you where did your mind go as soon Mm -hmm. as the series was over with when russell obviously made it clear that he wanted to move on how did that expedite the process of trying to get a deal done and getting pieces that you think could fit with bradley and the rest of your young core coming back
2: no absolutely it's a great question but i i really have to clear the make sure the record is straight on that russell actually never asked to move on he just said if i could get to the lakers that'd be something i would love to do so so russell was happy being here and we were very grateful for him being here i can't say it enough that the footprints he put in here, it was just like when Truth was here before that, when Paul Pierce came through, you know, his impact on this organization top to bottom was profound. And I can't thank Russell enough and very grateful, you know, but when that opportunity came and I, you know, I, I'm a big collaborator with our players and especially around draft free agency players, are some of the best scouts we have in the NBA that we like to chop it up. We get intel from them. Russell was very direct about, hey, I want to win a championship. I want to be, you know, I don't know how many more of these I have. And, you know, LeBron is a dear friend of his, Anthony Davis, different things. He's from L.A., grew up a Lakers fan. I get all that, but he was professional. And he said, hey, I'll be back here. You know, you're looking at the season Russell had. It's a travesty. He wasn't all NBA as well. You know, Bradley deserved it more than anybody, but I thought Russell you know, he should have had his flowers, and the guy averaged a triple-double. He helped take this team to the playoffs when, you know, we were sitting in, you know, pretty much uh, in a situation where it looked like the season was over midway through. So I never take that lightly. But Russell was very, very professional everything he did. And when it was time for him to we, – we sat, we got together, and, I just said, you know what, I'll help you with the, with the Lakers if it's great for us. And it was great for us, the players that we got in return and the opportunities we had to add more players, I think fulfilled to your earlier question, when I watched, when we were eliminated by the Sixers, we ran out of talent. We didn't have enough experienced players who could help us win games, big games. And everyone's on a clock, you know, Bradley wants to win now. I don't want to wait and tell Bradley, hey, we're going to wait four more years and we'll be ready to go. We want to win, you know, do we want to win now? Yeah, certainly we want to win more and let's continue to do that. And you have to do that by supplying more and more talent. So the talent
0: that you did get from the Lakers, the one thing I do notice about them is there's some size, there's some versatility, uh, and there's some championship pedigree. Uh, It's one thing to have names that performed at another city. It's another thing to get those names that performed in another city to do that here and maybe even do it better. From your calculation of just how you see this thing unfolding because they have not played a game yet how do you think that those pieces will acclimate with brad
2: you know not just bradley but with the entire you know returning roster but especially you know we make a great point with bradley i think they were perfect fits and we've been able to see since labor day our gym's been full every player has been through here at one point or another everybody's played together and i've seen what we've added was a lot more shooting certainly experience Two guys won NBA rings. You know, don't sell Trez short. He he got that Louisville ring uh, with, with Kuzma with, with with Pope. Those three had a great deal of of experience playing in high high level games. You know, and Trez was a Sixth Man of the Year the year before. Very accomplished players. We added Aaron Holliday, who I think really shores up our backcourt and has been fantastic. And then the ability to sign Spencer Hey uh, <laughs> Spencer Dinwiddie was ch- was just transformative for our backcourt, especially when you move off of Russell. And those five players right there all bring something different to the team. But Spencer, especially in the backcourt with Bradley, I think that's a very formidable backcourt, very big. They both can guard both positions. And I think that's something that Bradley's going to thrive off of. Having more shooters and more play creators out there uh, is going to be critical to our success. I think we were able to address that this summer.
0: Bradley spoke to me a couple of days ago. And obviously, what he did on the court was amazing. An All-NBA player finishing second in scoring, battling Curry through the through the end of the regular season, and then leading this team to the playoffs. But he also admitted, you know, he had a very difficult summer. We all know what happened with COVID and not being able to represent our country. But Bradley also had to deal with some family stuff. Uh, He admitted, you know, about his father and you know his grandmother being ill and all this. How do you balance? the performance that you're looking for from your franchise player, but also understanding like they're humans too. They put their pants on just like we do and they go through tough stuff. He really talked about the mental health part of that. He wanted to get into a better space. How do you guys balance that?
2: Communication. You know, I think I've been with Bradley since day one. You know, he turned 19 the day of the draft. We drafted him and every day since then I value so much of his input, but the person that he is, Watching him mature, become a you know a, a husband, a father, and such a great son. But you know the pillar in the community that he's become. And I'm so proud of him on the All NBA team. But I'm equally as proud of his Community Assist Award. And I think now more than ever, we measure so many things for physical fitness and how strong guys are, and we'll do anything to make sure we take care of them head to toe. But we cannot overlook the mental fitness. And I think that's a place this year that uh, to get that. 100 percent compliance and people truly being honest with each other we all have to admit that we have to be vulnerable a little bit you come in this building let's all be there for each other let's speak up if something's not right you're having a bad day something's going on so we can all kind of support each other you know i think the stigma of of asking for professional help the stigma of hey I, i really don't want to bring this to work you know we've got to help kind of Pierce that, get rid of that, and, and let everybody know. Hey, you know, no, no question, this is a business. No question, you got to win games. But where this ultimately needs to be is we, we're going to do that together in a happy, healthy environment, and that's what we've created here. And I, I think Bradley, you know, it, it does all start. He's the tip of the spear, you know. And I think him being vulnerable and, and showing his teammates that it's okay to have bad days and be able to talk to people. Um, talk about your issues that that makes everybody follow him uh, that much more and he's been a fantastic leader throughout and uh, he was an old man when he was young, and now he's <laughs> here he is you know ten years in the league i can't believe it
0: I just laugh at you know ten years when you think about that i I remember draft night like you said it was his birthday, and um he had his baby face couldn't grow any any facial hair and like now he's uh it's time and you need players like Brad to have that time to grow and develop more than just basketball skills, but as a person,
2: um, how do you balance patience? Uh, you, you have to know that there's something on the other side worth waiting for, you know? And I think that's something I ask myself all the time. And I challenge our staff this summer, how long do you wait on players? You know, sometimes you, you, you've got to have that ability to, to raise your hand and say, Hey, you know what? I thought it was this way and today I've changed my mind it's okay to do that because there are a lot of mistakes in this business for me when you don't fix your mistakes you know you say I'm right all you guys are wrong this guy's going to work out great well you know this is a results oriented business and if you put up results that are in a positive way and we it doesn't necessarily translate every single game or every single season but over a two-year span I think you get a great snapshot of what a player is and where he can be and it's our job to project that forward and if it's not completing the picture then we have to kind of reboot you know and I I use an example last year very difficult trades are very very hard for anybody that's in this business it's hard for you when you hear hey this guy's been traded because you have such great relationships with players and it's equally hard for myself but you have to do what's best for the Wizards and I look at the the trade at deadline acquiring Daniel Gafford was a huge thing for us and and that was something that was simple but that was something that you know I, I think at the time nobody even really took notice and he exceeded our expectations. I'm not going to lie, but I expected a lot from him, and the ability to assimilate him, our, our roster did a great job of welcoming him and getting him out there, and he was successful out on the court. Those kinds of things, you know, that's somebody that maybe we were looking at another team and his development there, and it wasn't apparent that he was playing there or was going to play there, and we said, "Hey, can we put him on our roster? What would that do?" We try to do that with so many players throughout the, the NBA. You know, these guys, one day, we have a we have a criteria: is he a wizard? and there's a criteria that has to fit that and you know that was a big part of the trade this summer we we knew those players that we require them were all on our list we knew spencer dimwitty was on our list aaron holiday we've been chasing him around for three years so you know maybe one day you get those players but patience is so critical in, in the i think more throughout the season you can be a lot more patient when you see the critical factors every day chris their work ethic their character their reliability you do those things, and I think you because you're not to judging just them. two and a half hours. No, like, like, like no. The,
0: you know how we are in the media and the fans. We're looking at you know the, the it's a results oriented business, absolutely. We, but we kind of just look at the prism of just you know what happened in two and a half hours, as opposed to you know I saw the work, yeah. I've seen everything. The Daniel Gaffer part I want to touch on, and I want to use your football background. Is shot blocking such a priority in the nba like a left tackle in football and why is it so hard to get a shot blocker
2: i think it it is maybe not to the extreme level as a left tackle but it what it does is it kind of it anchors your defense in terms of you know penetration when people are getting 10 toes in the paint consistently your defense breaks down everything collapses they kick out the shooters they're getting high percentage buckets at the rim they're getting to the free throw line when you have that presence it can kind of repel people attacking The castle, as they say, you know I think that's a great thing. And Daniel was able in a short amount of time. But really, going back to his Arkansas days, we always knew he was athletic. We always knew this guy was somebody. His second bounce was just as good as his first bounce, and that's somebody we didn't have a lob threats. You tend to covet what you don't have, right? We never had a big lob threat here. We didn't have somebody that was extremely bouncy shot blocker, Um, you know. But now he's going to have to adjust because now he's a known commodity, right? The the league is going to try to figure out how they can negate some of the things that he does well. And he came back this summer. You know, spent so much time in the lab, put a lot more into his game, and I'm really excited. He's he's a lot more diverse now than he was when he came here. And he's not just a lob threat. He's not just a shot blocker. He, he he's a great rim roller. He's extended his range. He makes free throws. He's thinking the game. And to be sometimes it's okay if you're not a shot blocker to be a, a shot deterrent. The guys aren't going to try him now as much, you know. And that's a great thing.
0: Ow. In the final analysis of Davis's season last year, what was your takeaway from it? Because if you just looked at the numbers, they're okay. But I'm sure that from his standpoint, he wanted to be better. And I know you wanted him to be better. But what was the overarching thought of last year for him?
2: You know, so it's really difficult to have a, a really good NBA season if you miss training camp. He was injured coming in the door, signed a big contract. So, so those put – Big expectations on people. And the first thing I tell a player when you sign that deal, I say, go be you. Don't try to do more than what we paid you for. Like, we know who you are. We know what you want to be. Davies came in. He was injured. We were 29 and 27 when he was available in games that he played in. And he shot 40% from three. Those are pretty amazing numbers. Just the injuries kind of dragged him down. I think that was something we noticed offensively. Uh, Russell's just a different basketball player. And, 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 Sometimes maybe we were not running a lot of motion for our shooters. Sometimes it's getting nice to so basket, and that was great. Russell gets to the line. He gets guys shots. But for, for consistent three-point shooting, a lot of times it was catch and shoot from deep in the clock, whatever. Davisa, one of those players, I think if you go back the year before, got a lot more buckets coming off of motion, coming off of screens, make, creating space for him so he could get open looks and not just sitting in the corner. I think that's something that – we really were excited about Wes and his his schemes moving forward. You know, defensively, that's kind of been his calling card in Denver. But he was actually an offensive coach before that, and he's a big fan of motion, big fan of the ball moving and, and making sure shooters get wide open looks. And so for Davies, that was an easy sell. I think he had a good season.
0: Denny's rookie year was cut short because of the ankle injury. You've been um, you know on the record saying you guys are going to slowly integrate him back in, but he, you know he's he's good to go because of what you were saying about russell i think you and other people because i never saw the kid play so i'm just going off of what people told me like he's a pretty good ball handler and can facilitate some action for you do you see that kind of coming to the forefront with him this season under a new head coach and
2: that's been there the staff's evaluation mirrors kind of what we've always seen is he's a great secondary player maker he's a hell of a rebounder solid defender i think he can score i don't think he needs to be in the corner Just when the ball kicks to you, shoot a three. I think he can be a secondary playmaker. And I do think he's solid in very uh, many areas out on the court that he can help us with. It stinks to be a rookie. you know, And you get kind of cast out there and and learning on the fly and learning with great vets. But still, you're going to take your lumps. And that injury definitely was disappointing. Coming back this summer, we had a couple of different things happen that were yeah, not a setback necessarily physically, but between COVID protocols and different things that just, it cost him probably an extra two, three weeks of work that now we're catching it on the back end. That's why we've been real cautious, but you'll see him. He'll be scrimmaging by the end of the week. He'll be jumping into it and he'll play in preseason games. So his big thing now is I think he's got to integrate with the new coaching staff, with new players, and everybody evaluate for what his skill set is moving forward. But, but we're very confident in what he can become.
0: I wasn't here last year, but I was told a lot, he's inquisitive. <laughs> is that a fair assessment to describe Denny, inquisitive?
2: I, I admire how many questions he can ask. <laughs> it's it's a talent. But that's not but, a bad thing. No, it's a, right? gra- it's a great thing. W- with the balance of, of asking questions is always been a great listener first, and he is, and he wants to be great. He came from great stock. He came from most story franchises in all of international basketball and uh he's played in huge games not just with maccabi tel aviv but also with the israeli national team i've seen him in hostile environments i know what he can do Uh, moving forward he was 19 years old last year and one thing i don't think we ever put enough uh empathy on is is what it takes for an international player to come over play in the nba assimilate a new culture all the new teammates a different ball a, a new world that you're launched into and how long that takes. And then, oh by the way, your entire first season there's gonna be no fans and you're gonna get hurt. And it, you know, we just had strange things happen. And I told him after the season, Yep, this is true. All those things happen. And guess what? Nobody cares. You gotta move forward. You gotta come back better, ready to go. And he put in the time. I'm really, really excited for him. Um, Rui's going into his third
0: year and you guys have already said he's gonna miss some time for personal reasons that we respect the privacy. But for our year three in this league, it's normally a big year for players, obviously you know, trying to get the bag, as the kids say, but also your in terms of your development. Where is he from when you guys first saw him at Gonzaga to where he is now as a basketball player?
2: Well, I think he's the perfect blend player that can do – try to be what we don't have out on the court. He can fit that need if you need rebounding, you need defending, you need somebody to transition up and down. but. One thing I think he showed really throughout the season last year, but in the playoffs and and with his national team, he's expanded his his range. So he's a very confident three-point shooter now. ball's going to kick to him. He's not going to hesitate. He's going to take big shots. You remember the the one when we did get off of Philly here, he hit that huge three and didn't blink. You know, he he knows what time it is. I, I love his mentality, his mindset to get better, but also to be a great team player. He's not out there trying to take shots from anybody, he's not trying to do anything other than perform his role, but at a higher level and bring in more intensity. That's one thing I think Bradley and Russell really prepared him for last season was that you know you can go through practices, the games, you're doing what you're supposed to do, but you got to take it up a notch internally. You've got to have a little bit more expression and passion for the game out there on the floor. And You know, culturally, that's not something necessarily that comes as quick to, to, to where he's from, but I think he's adapted very well to the NBA and where he's at right now. I'm excited about what he presents for our in terms of, you know, we talk about who's going to start for us, Chris, but how do you finish the game? Yeah. And we have so many different players out there, so many different options. I think it's going to be exciting for Wes to match wise, to take advantage of the other team. You put a bunch of shooters out there, we can go big, we can go small. And, and what Rui's I think the big expectation I have for him this year, don't hesitate to take open shots but be a great passer be an excellent defender we saw last year he was he was capable of guarding multiple positions but he's gonna have to do it now more so uh getting bigger assignments you know on a nightly basis and he saw a stretch where he saw lebron and tobias harris and Kawhi, and you know everybody kept coming out i said good that's good for you because guess what those guys are in the nba just like you're in the nba you're going to see those guys every night get used to it and then i think when he was able to play with his national team. He saw the level, expectations, not just from the basketball community, but his country at large, how much pressure that was for him. And I think he, he's definitely capable of taking that pressure, internalizing it, and being able to, to deal with it. And uh can't say enough about our expectations for him moving forward. And he can just, or we can just ask
0: Anthony Davis, when he's <laughs> aggressive, what it looks like. <laughs> uh, I kind of just remember being in my home office, and I jumped up, and I was like, "Whoa, he just caught a body." Yeah. Um, I want to finish with this: it, they haven't played a game yet. You have, you can forecast all you want, but like, what do you think the identity of this year's roster should be from your from your standpoint?
2: We're going to continue to play with pace. I think we're going to be much better offensively, defensively, and in efficiency areas. You know, one thing went throughout the entire interview process with Wes and all the, pretty much everybody we interviewed. It came up time and time again that, you know, it's great to be number one in pace, but it, it actually cannibalizes if you're in the 19s, 20s in, in defensive efficiency, offensive efficiency. It's like you're almost working against yourself every time. So I think we want to play from the beginning the game to the end of the game. Results, obviously we want to win every single game, but if you don't win, you can look back and say, you know, at least we played the right way, we took the shots we wanted, we defended the right way, shot profile was good. Whatever you can come up with to show the progress that you, you're learning, you're getting better, you're getting more stops, and that shows up in the win column, it does. May not at the beginning when you're putting something new in and everybody's learning the foundation pieces, but if you play the right way consistently, you're not counting on luck every single night, you're not counting on one player to bail you out every night. I think uh, the wins will show up, and I'm so impressed with Wes and his integrity towards the game. He's not going to shortcut. We're going to put in defense from day one that I think is going to be something the players are going to buy into. And I think the way that they buy into it and the reason they buy into it, Chris, is because it produces results.
0: I was going to ask you about your Cowboys, but I could care less. Go Go Panthers. <laughs> <laughs>